quiet numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello and welcome to the podcast. So there I was. Which is how all great aviation tales begin. Every last one of them. Every damn one of them. <laughs> episode number 80? 80? 80, brother. Is that the Ocho 80? Ocho, yeah. Ocho? I don't know how to say it. Ocho. Oh, gosh. How, how awesome is that, repeat? This has been a hoot, and let's keep it going, man. That's all I can say. Episode number 80 was Sal. Sal's got great stories. Sal, there is a very intimate connection between you and Sal, and I'll, yeah. I'll let you talk about that. Chat a minute, yeah. Holy Let's go first. Cow. First thing I want to do is thank Michelle Langseth. $50 donation directly donated to us on our site. Thank you so much, Michelle. We know that thank money you, wasn't Michelle. just tossed yes. in your pocket. You chose yes. to work hard for it and then share it with us. Man, is that humbling. Very cool. That is so awesome, and we really appreciate that. More than we can express in words. I mean, words are just inadequate. But let's say you're in a position that where you love the show and you want to do something for us, Fig, but you just can't throw any money at us. How about write us a review? Five-star review, baby, and share the show. Share the show. It doesn't cost anything. No, it really doesn't. And I've made it easy for you to give us a review. Go to so there I was, dot us slash rate and it'll take you to where you can write us a review choose your platform that you listen on and boom bang zoom bing you're done you're in. wait a minute did you say that was so there i was dot us slash rate that's, that's what easy. i said that's too easy to it. get to i know it. i mean i gotta make it harder even a knuckle brow the knuckle dragon mouth breather like me can figure out how to get to that come on there you go or try slash review that'll get you there too <laughs> Now listen, if it's not going to be a five-star review, give it to somebody else. We only want exactly. five-star reviews. If you exactly. don't like it, just, just don't do it. Don't do it. If you haven't got <laughs> something nice to say, sit next to me. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Hey, how about emailing us, too? If you have any questions, you hear something you're not sure about, you got a question about the show. If you know somebody who should be on the show with us, including oh you, if you've got amazing stories, if you've got one amazing story and the rest are all boring, give us that one amazing story. Chat with us. Let's figure it out. Let's hey, get you on. And here's the thing. You may think it's not an amazing story. Chances are it really is. Story. Right. Everybody's got a story. We love right. all your stories. Let's let them. Let's let us let you tell us. Let it, let let's let have you tell it to us so everybody can hear it. Jeez. I mean exactly what you know. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, and and this is kind of how we started chatting about the show's inception, right? Have you ever been standing at a, at a cocktail party or been at a dinner party, and the next thing you know, people are all asking you about your flying? And, and people are standing around listening in rapt attention to you. They want yeah. to know about flying. Tell that, your story. Tell that story with us. Let thousands of people hear it. Just not the three or four people at the cocktail party right. that you didn't want to go to with your wife anyway. <laughs> Listen, if 10 people at the party want to hear it, trust me, thousands want to hear it. Everybody wants to hear your story. Even if, it's, even if you think it's insignificant. If it's an aviation story, people love it absolutely true i love it yeah 
Hey, sponsor this week is Robin's Bird Brain Designs. New lower prices on those coasters. She lowered them from in $35 range down to the $25 range so that you can have a thoughtful Christmas gift out to somebody on your list this year. She took care of me last year in a huge way. And, yeah, I, I, love and, I, and I do too. And a big thank you to Chase Cole, Simplified Chase. Thank you for running our group on Facebook. Huge Huge help. Thank you for doing that, Chase Cole. Thank you, Maureen. We got winter coming upon us. Man, when it's getting cold out, what's better than a hoodie with a So There I Was logo on it, right? I can only, I can one-up you. A fur-lined bikini with a hoodie over the top. That's the only way (laughs) it gets any better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, TMI fig. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, well. All right. Yeah, you can get that at so there I was us slash merch. I put up a quiz tab on our website, so there I was us. Nobody's taken it yet. I'm shocked. Four good questions up there, and I want you to send me more questions. Can I take it? Absolutely. All right. Question is, will you pass? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not afraid to take it now. Oh, yeah. Hey, and send us your photos. Tell us your stories. I've got up on the Facebook page, the Facebook group, some pictures of one of our Patreon supporters. His dad, Ken McCoy, we talked about him and jumped out of an A4 off the coast of Hawaii back in the day, back in the 60s. Earl McCoy. Thank you, uh, Earl. Earl sent me a picture of his boys. We pulled out the background, sent it back to him, and he put them in front of a Blue Angel jet. And that's up on the Facebook page. That really cool looking photo. That's the, these young lads in their Halloween costumes. They look like, like blue very angels. authentic, very tiny blue angels. <laughs> they do indeed. That was so cool. And then I had the privilege last week of going to the Jarhead Breakfast over in Hanover, New oh, Hampshire man, with yeah. Jarrett Burke at Jarrett Burke's restaurant, Lou's Restaurant and Bakery, with none other than Gunny. Gunny Sachs was there again. Wonderful to chat with him. Love that picture, bro. Love that picture. Yeah, yeah. Got a nice picture. That's up on the Facebook group as well. So, hey, let's chat about uh, Sal here. Sal is, as I mentioned on the show, one of our early guests I've known since high school. And Sal ain't far behind. I I met Sal when I was a young, hard-charging death machine lieutenant in the Hawk Missile Batteries back in the the mid-'80s. Sal was a when I my first recollection of dealing with him was he when he's in the adjutant shop, real smart young man, but one of the few Marines that just was at ease around officers. We didn't we didn't bother him, and we maintained the connection over the years and 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 have been friends ever since. Really nice young man, and and uh, now now getting older like all of us, but left the Marine Corps and pursued his dream of flying. He he's always wanted to fly. He, he's never done it commercially. Except as a CFI. So I've known this man 35, 37 years, something like that. And he has some good stories. So we we brought him on, starting off with his time in boot camp. Very, you know what? (laughs) I never, I never, ever get tired of hearing boot camp stories. And, of course, he had great Marine Corps boot camp stories. But what a humble, humble, very professional professional and real human being is uh, Sal Marinello. Holy cow. Yeah, absolutely. Great guy. Smart as a whip. And like you said, humble, a great gentleman. And it's been a privilege to know him. And it was a real privilege to have him on the show. Talked about being, you know, kind of put a picture up in the live stream 
of him. He looks like he's about 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's. Well, he was uh, he and, was on uh, uh, weight control yeah. because he was one pound over the minimum weight you could be and stay in the Marine Corps. So they made him eat double rations while he's in a boot camp. <laughs> yeah. He's throwing up all the time because he's got all this food in his belly. I mean, he he tells yeah. it it's a, and they're PT in the snot. <laughs> yeah, so he's constantly throwing up because he's got a full belly where you know where he shouldn't have. Anyway, great yeah. great story. You know, obviously, perseverance and, you know, will to succeed, all that. Nothing nothing spells Marine like Sal's story. Right. Including his last name, which they wouldn't use throughout. No, because Marine is in his last name, which is a great story. (laughs) Let's not ruin it. (laughs) Yep. No, let's don't. So we talked about a lot of his flying. A couple really amazing stories. Some things he learned early on, and it would behoove all pilots to listen to this, regardless of your experience level. We talked about get itis right. which is a real disease affecting pilots, and it's fatal often. He talked about his get itis almost killing him and learning us a good lesson from it. That's right. So, that's, a, that's a valuable, invaluable, actually. We got this week's title from some training that he went and did. <laughs> You can't make me ear sick. <laughs> it's just like, you might as well have said, I'm, listen, hey, hold my beer, watch this. And yeah, and you know, I'm not going to run it, but yeah, that's kind of like straight up how it went. Exactly. So, and then a real nice, humble story that he actually wrote in airfaxjournal.com about six years ago about getting to fly with his dad who introduced him to aviation and as his dad was nearing end of life. A very touching story. He wrote about it, or he talked about it. He wrote about it in Airfax Journal. I will put a link on stereowaves.us slash episode slash 80. You can go read that yourself. Great story. Wonderful. Great story. Wonderful story. It was indeed. Let's say we get out of the way. Let's get out of the way. This here is a true story. Let's listen to what Sal has to say. And no ejection seat handles, no collectives this week. So I don't know. Clear prop. Clear prop. (laughs) Here comes Sal. Yellow tanker. Clear prop. Through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. There I was crossing the pond, and you could see oh, there I wasn't was. exactly fun. Which is how all great aviation tales begin. And welcome. This is Fig coming to you from beautiful Kearney, Missouri, outside Kansas City. And where is my co horse repeat today? Co horse made it home from the far world. Yeah, yes! baby. That's here. what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> here I am. Yeah, repeat here. And we're welcoming a guest from Florida today. Sal, other than none other than Private Ello, we're going to get into that pretty soon here. Up front, just want to let everybody know I've, we had a guest on. Oh, back around show twelve, I think it was, and I had known that lad for over forty years. And Sal's probably the next closest there. I've I've known Sal yeah. for about thirty seven, thirty eight years. First met him in the eighties when I was a young Hawk missile officer in in the Marines at Cherry Point, and Sal Sal was there. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's very nice joining you. Yeah, glad to have you. So Sal is Marine, former Marine, once a Marine, always a Marine, and did not fly in the Marine Corps. 
but is a CFI, Certified Flight Instructor. He's got some stories about that. we got some stories about boot camp, all that good stuff, but want to get there. Let's let's start with your interest in flying, how you got interested, and then let's get back to uh, some of the boot camp stuff, because that sounds pretty fun, too. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy the show, and uh, appreciate being here. Thank you. Yeah, and oh, let me other mention one other thing, too. Quickly, thank you again, Sal. Double Aircraft Tanker Commander. Double so. Aircraft Tanker Commander, God, Sal. That you, is man. too much. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, keep thank the show you. coming. I enjoy it. I use it on my runs, and appreciate the opportunity to be here. Nice. So my interest in flying started very young age. I've My whole entire life, that's all I've ever wanted to do is fly airplanes. My father, my grandparents lived in Howard Beach, New York. If either of you have ever flown into JFK, you fly over Howard Beach. Okay. And so when I was a young lad, we used to go to my grandparents and I would just stand outside all day watching airplanes come and go very loud in those days in the 70s. My father always had an interest in aviation. He'd bring me to JFK Airport. We could go to the gates in those days. Right. Look at the jets. I Those were up. turbo jets back then, baby. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Everybody stopped talking. And if, uh, right. if a yeah. 747 or a 707 or a 727 came over my grandparents' house, you couldn't hear each other talk inside the house. Everybody yeah. just, there was a pause, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, those were the days. I, yeah. I grew up on Long Island outside Republic Airport and Zahn's Airport. When I was a young, eight or nine years old, I used to ride my bike to Zahn's Airport, which doesn't exist any longer. And I just ride around the airport, talk to pilots, anybody who would talk to me about flying. I used to go to Republic Airport and just do the same thing. I could get on the airport and pedal around and just kind of learn, watch. And I was fascinated by airplanes. Those were the days so, when you could just get a walk on an airport. Water right? at oh, the yeah. airport, right? Yeah. 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 So I Zons Airport was really where I would I could literally ride my bike down the runway if there was no airplanes. And nobody would say anything to me. Wow. And so, I mean, I look wow. back on it now and it's, it's pretty amazing. I talked, I'd go into hangars, I'd walk into hangars where airplanes are stored. Nobody would say anything. Yeah. Right. That would not, not happen today. No, ever. I was, yeah. I was just a dopey kid. All I wanted to do was be around airplanes, join the Marine Corps. I know we'll touch on that and had an opportunity to start to learn how to fly in New Bern. Okay. Sure you two gentlemen remember it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And my father actually took me on my first airplane ride when I was 15 years old, 14, 15 years old. He was taking lessons at a Republic airport. The CFI allowed me to jump in the back of the airplane. And I knew right then and there, oh, yeah, I would fly airplanes. You were I'd find at that a way point, to fly right? airplanes. Yeah. So hey, I didn't that's... get a chance to fly for a while, but I knew right then and there. And so... So that's you list- really, I've known my whole life. I've always wanted to be a pilot. You know, that's, a, that's kind of a recurring theme. Um, yeah amongst our our people so to speak. yes it really is we've yeah. only had a few that you know hey you want to fly airplanes oh i don't know i guess here yeah. here's an f-15 <laughs> yeah right yeah the jets, there's know. that you know uh, what was that that was father that that was father yeah. that just kind of stumbled into it yeah my butt my roommate's gonna uh, you know rotc I'll, maybe i will i'll take the test yeah yeah, yeah. whatever here's the so, deal <laughs> you you enlisted in 1983 is that when you graduated from high school and went straight into the marine corps Actually, Fig, I enlisted in, in the Marine Corps between my junior and senior year of high school, three weeks after my 17th birthday. Delayed, delayed entry program? Delayed entry program. I, Mid-August, I decided I wanted to join the Marine Corps. The story behind me actually joining the Marine Corps was I actually went to the recruiter's office to join the Navy. 
<laughs> we we've heard this before yeah, too. Those too, yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe, I can't so, wait to hear this. How this go? I, I had a license. I went to the recruiting office. I drove myself. I went into the Marine Corps recruiter's office and the Navy recruiter's office were literally right next to each other. And I went in and the Navy recruiter wasn't, I had an appointment and he wasn't there. <laughs> and I remember the Marine, I still remember his name. I won't say it. The recruiter said, you know, young man, what are you doing? And I said, I'm waiting. I was sitting in the hallway and he said, uh, come in and talk to me. And I said, okay. And I went in and he said, you want to join the Navy? Yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Don't you have any self-respect? He goes, what do you want to do? I said, I don't really know. And I actually said this, like, I want to join, I want to fly airplanes. And he's like, you need a college degree to join there, to to fly airplanes. But if you want to join a service, and he held up brochure with the dress blues. Do you want to wear this uniform? Or do you, I'm not making fun of my Navy brethren out there. Or do you want to wear bell bottoms? (laughs) (laughs) And they used to wear that hat, you know, Adobe cover. Yeah. Yeah. And so he goes, what do you want to wear this uniform? And I said, I want to wear that uniform. <laughs> Needless to say, my parents were not happy. Oh. My, my father was not happy. So I, oh, my boy. senior year in high school was pretty easy because I already knew what I was doing. And I went off to boot camp in July of 84. Right. I graduated high school three weeks later. I was headed to Paris Island. Nice. So, yes. so it, did that? Did that uh, year? What, you, did your senior year count as a year of your enlistment? No, you know it was a delay. Okay, no. I was just curious. Unfortunately for me, I, I, I could have. They offered for me to work in the recruiting office, help recruiting other kids to join the Marine Corps. Yeah, and I would get points so that I could get graduate boot camp as a PFC. But cool. I was too. I, I didn't do it. I was too interested in girls. And having fun, yeah. I knew I was going to, I graduated like probably the bottom 10% of my class and I didn't care at the time. I knew where I was going. <laughs> yeah. So, you had a gig lined up. You, you knew I had a gig lined it. up. I, you know, <laughs> people didn't, couldn't believe me I was going to do it. I had really long hair. It was the eighties. It was, yeah. uh, oh, yeah, so we, we called that. I went. We called that Fig Mac when we were uh, at the basic school. <laughs> yeah, but I got my air contract, you know, you knew what you were doing. Screw it. Fig I don't Mac. need to work hard. Yeah. So. so I went to the store. It's an interesting story. The day I actually got dropped off at MEPS. I don't know how officers do it, but enlisted folks go to, I went to Fort Hamilton, Brooklyn. There was 250 other young people there waiting to take, to get entry that day. You know, they do a physical again and they send you off on your way. And I remember just about two o'clock in the afternoon, there was a army drill sergeant or looking dude who's looked like a drill sergeant. He stood up and he said, how many of you are going into the air force? Half the kids raised their hand. You're going to go to eight weeks of the toughest training you've ever been to. You're you going to get marched and drilled around, get on that. And he told everybody, get on a bus. How many people are going into the Navy? Another 30% raise their hands. You know, you think that sounds hard. The Navy boot camps, eight weeks long is tougher. You're going to freeze and, Lake Michigan or wherever they go. Yeah. How many people are you going in the army? Everybody else except three of us raised their hands. Right. <laughs> and everything we just said about those guys, you're going to Fort Jackson, 10 weeks, you'll be living in the mud. And when those guys left, there was three of us. One of those guys ended up being my platoon at Paris Island. And, the, and he looked at us and went, you're screwed. <laughs> you guys are screwed. Get on the bus. I mean, he, didn't, he just shook his head and goes, you're screwed. And off we went to Paris Island. 
Beautiful. Paris Island. All right. Absolutely. So that was July of 84, because yeah. it's not cool and humid. I mean, uh-huh. it's, not, it's not hot and humid in Paris Island. You look at that picture. Yeah, Holy so those shit, us, that's a steal. Those watching live, I've got one private Marinello yes. <laughs> with his that family on graduation day. steely-eyed killer if I've ever seen one right, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the, that's my mother and my, my brothers. And, of course, I look back at that. I can't believe they actually let me join the Marine Corps. When, I was 17 when I went off to boot camp. And uh, when I got when I got to boot camp at MEPS that day, I had made weight for my height by about a pound. <laughs> wow! So when I got to Paris Island, you go into receiving. It's usually three to five days, depending on when you're going to go to your regular platoon. And I went to Third Battalion, which didn't have air conditioning at the time. It was World War II barrack type barracks. And when I got to my platoon, they put me on double rations. And I was the most hated, hated private in the platoon because everybody's starving because they're burning 3,000 calories, 4,000 yeah, calories you, a day. You didn't, have that, you didn't have any meat to waste, man. You- None. Oh, my God. Double rations. I was, people hated me. The other recruits hated me. Well, so, were, you a, were you a runner in high school? You know, did I, you, were you a track guy, like a long-distance guy? I wasn't a high school athlete, but I was, I've been a runner my whole entire life, Fig, okay. and I was actually training to run the New York City Marathon, even though I didn't know how to join up for it. I always wanted to run the New York City Marathon. So I was a runner. I was skinny. I was, you know, I played a lot of baseball and hockey. Yeah. I was five, at the time, five ten and a half, maybe 5'11", but the weight at the time was 124 pounds, I think. If I remember correctly, I would have about 100, <laughs> buck 25. Oh, my God. Yeah, you you yeah. were soaking wet. You you might have blown away in the, yeah. in the typhoon. We never <laughs> found crazy. you again. Holy so shit! I, so I get to my platoon. They give me double rations. But the first day we get there, the drill instructors pick you up. So you get to they, just like the movie, screaming and yelling, yeah. doing what they need to do. Yeah. And I'm standing, and they give you a number. I don't know if they do this at OCS, but they give you a number. And the number is based on your last name. So you're in alphabetical order, but numerical order. And I still remember my number. It was 38. And one of the drill instructors starts yelling, Private Ello. And I'm standing there at attention, not <laughs> responding. Private Ello. Nobody's saying, is there a Private Ello in the platoon? And he's walking and he's, you know, that drill instructor walk they have? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Comes right in my face and says, are you Private Ello? And I go, No. <laughs> he went ballistic. <laughs> How do you address yourself? Not, you know, he says, your last name's Marinello. And I said, yes. And he goes, you have the word Marine in your name. You have not earned the right to use that name from this point forth until you graduate with the Eagle Globe and Anchor. You are Private Ello. <laughs> you have not it. earned the right to use yeah. your own name. <laughs> yeah, I have not earned the right to use my own name. <laughs> then he says, you are in the wrong spot. So oh. find where Private Ello would stand. Sends me to the other side. I get there. The other drill instructor says, what is your last name? I give him my real name. He says, you don't belong here. Go to the other spot. Oh. For about five minutes. They're playing ping pong with oh, your backside. <laughs> That was my welcome to Paris Island, South Carolina in July of 1984. And it was probably 100 degrees that morning. Sure. Yes. <sighs> yeah. 
Oh, Gotta love great. our DIs, man. Oh. God bless those men. Amazing comedians to, oh, oh, to come up with crap like that. Oh, on the fly, <laughs> How did they figure too. that out? No, on they the fly. Name, obviously. Yeah. They yeah. They're going to go, this is never going to fly. This guy, we're, we're going to screw with this guy on yeah. you know, day one, minute one. Oh, that's great. Private yeah. they, they put me on double rations. They, I felt like they were picking. This is really true. Like, to this day, I was like, why are they picking on me? I don't understand why I'm getting double rations. I'm throwing up my food because everybody else at least gets five minutes to really eat. I got to yeah. eat. Then I got to get up, go through the line again, oh eat again. <laughs> Guys are giving me the devil eyes because they're starving and I'm puking food. Oh. It was, it was, you know, it was, oh my God. It was, it was Paris Island. It was the be- one of the best experiences, obviously. But sure, but still. They called me Private Marinello, and I don't mind you know, saying my name, but when they actually used my last name, at the day they give you your MOS and where you're going and they become human, but they talk to you, I yeah. didn't respond. Oh, because Steve, you're, you're so you're right. So you used oh, to be in private yeah. Ello. That's private Ello. Funny. It's a trick. Yeah. Yep. yeah Wait, so they're going to screw with me again. They're going to screw with me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's exactly what I th- I was like, I don't know if I'm should be responding to this. And So <laughs> did, hey, Sal, did you, yeah. did you get like a, fill out a wish list for your MOSs at boot camp? So when when I enlisted, or was that a recruit? Was that a recruiter ASVAB score thing? So it's an asset. So for me, I I wanted to at the time. I felt like I wanted to do something with technology. I was a I was a geek, a computer geek. Not wasn't a programmer, but I loved technology. So I, when I took the ASVAB, they said I could go work at, on the Hawk missiles. So that's how I actually met. Reed. Okay, I kind of knew I was going to get a technical OS, but had no idea what it would be. So when I got my orders from Paris Island to Fort Bliss, Texas, I had no idea where I was going or what I was doing. I had no idea with what the Hawk was or no idea. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for a guy that didn't, you know, study and academics wasn't important, you, you must've scored pretty good on the ASVAB I to did. get, to get that MOS, right? Cause they don't let slouches in that. So, no. Uh, so you, no, you, you, you're just smart. You never applied yourself before. I didn't apply myself till I graduated. So yeah. I finished the Marine Corps and then I went to college and I realized if I wanted to have a decent career and own my own airplane, my whole life was meant to be able to afford to fly, own my own airplane. So I, I needed to find a profession that would allow me to do that. Yeah. So that's when I started to apply myself. Okay. After, and the Marine Corps gave me the discipline and the, the the type of discipline you need to do that. It's funny so, how motivation can uh, yeah. affect, affect right. Yeah. right? Exactly right. Yeah. So. so I have to, I'll add one more boot camp story. Oh, yeah. So I'm 125 pounds and they are PTing me like crazy every day. I've, part of me is like, why are you want me to gain weight? Me? You can't keep burning my That's calories. That's exactly right. They want, I could not pass the obstacle course. Every time we went, I could do the run. The, the no obstacle problem. course or the, or the confidence course? Confidence course. I'm confidence sorry, course. Confidence okay. Course. So there's two I different ones. Confidence yeah. course is the one that has like the 360,000 foot tower. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I could not, I couldn't climb ropes. I couldn't, I could do the, I could do the runs. I can do the sit-ups. But when I first got to Paris Island, and you guys probably know, and anybody here who's been enlisted knows, if, you know, a lot of people get, who are a little heavier, they get remedial training. So they leave the platoon and then they get attached to a different platoon to graduate. 
And I found out from my senior drill instructor, I met him at a bar actually once while at Camp Lejeune. That's a funny story. But he told me that they were worried actually because I needed to pass the confidence course to, to basically graduate from in my platoon. And so what they were doing was they were running me ragged for upper body strength. So I, they were having me do mountain climbers, push-ups, pull-ups. Every my discipline was everything for upper body strength. When I graduate, I finally was able to pass the confidence course. And when I graduated, I weighed 150 pounds. Oh, damn! Like it's probably 25 pounds in boot camp. Yeah, right. it was probably not fat. No it was muscle. <clears throat> yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. Great, great experience. Never want to do it again. <laughs> no, right? Nobody That's another does. common theme. No one ever yeah. wants to do that again. We're glad no. it's over. I don't want to do it again. So my my senior drill instructor was a he was a good dude, and I found this out later because I was at Camp Lejeune with some buddies of mine. We were going to a bar, and in those days, the drinking age was twenty one. But if you were a marine and you had a fake ID, so we used to hand each other. <laughs> Hey, Sal, you want to be 21? And, and he, one of my friends who was a corporal gave me his ID. He had a mustache. I did not. And all they would do is just look at it. And the guy looks at it and goes, you're not this guy. I said, how do you know? It was the, the guy at the front door, the, the bouncer. He goes, because you're so-and-so. I'm like, how the F do you know that? He goes, I was your senior drill instructor. You don't remember me? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, how are you doing? He goes, go ahead. Go and I went and talked to him. He's like, we, you had to build up your upper body strength that you wouldn't have been able to graduate boot camp. Wow. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm tell, I don't know. I, my DIs are uh, people I would never forget. I guarantee it. I don't care where I saw them ever. <laughs> well, once he said it and I looked at him, I went, oh, okay, but, you know, I'm trying to look at the other way. I don't want him to see that I don't have a mustache. I'm trying to get into this bar with somebody else's ID. So yeah, I wasn't really looking too hard. Right, know. yeah. Don't look him in the eyes. You know, don't, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Oh, All right. Scream. Oh, geez. So so we met at, uh, at Lamb Battalion. Yeah. He, he, I'll pass this along about hey, Sal. Would he you was guys, one uh, of the would, few troopers that was always – you know, he just could interact with officers. He was not intimidated by us. And I, where did you get that, Sal? Because most of the Marines were not that way. Most young Marines are, are tight-lipped and very reserved around officers. And, and at some point, you broke out of your shell. He worked for me in the adjutant shop. I was the battalion adjutant before I went off to flight school. And, you know, it was just a, it was a great working relationship. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, repeat, because... I think my mom was very much a casual, didn't believe in a lot of hierarchy. She believed in rules. Yeah. But, we but didn't no caste call, system. Yeah. She didn't, we didn't call our friends and neighbors, Mr. or Mrs. We called everybody by our first name. I think part of that yeah. comes from that. My father was a cop, police officer. So we certainly had, I had, I was, I grew up around, author, you know, authority. Sure. But I think just my personality, I, I was never intimidated, never have been in, in, in all the years, even since I left the Marine Corps. Generally speaking, I see them as people. My mother used to say that all the time. They politicians, the way that people are, they're, they're people. So I never really had a, had a challenge. At the third, interestingly enough, how I ended up in the adjutant's office was at Charlie Battery, where I was. 
my kind of not casualness because I was I always got good pro and con marks. I never got in trouble. But I think a lot of that was taken as aloofness and not cared, which I did. I cared about my job and, and, and I took it seriously. But I don't think people saw it. You know, the gunner down there at the time just did not like me. And I think part of it was they felt I was not regimented, maybe is the right way to say it. But <laughs> okay. it was never that. It was never that. Everybody called me Sal. You know that repeat. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the other Marines called yeah, me Yeah, from Sal. a lieutenant colonel, battalion commander, all the way down to his buds, you know, yep. That's other awesome. corporals. And, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, need to get, uh, I need to get the – uh, the third lamb lamb is an acronym oh, lamb yeah. is lima alpha oh. alpha mike i need one of you guys to define that for our list yeah yeah go, go ahead sir so it's the light anti-aircraft missile battalion. nice lamb yeah. light lamb. Air, anti-aircraft missile which yep. was the hot yep. which was a hot which was the hawks and the stingers hawk. were lad l-a-a-d L-A-A-D, second light anti-aircraft defense defense mm-hmm. yeah so yeah yep. And when I met Repeat, I was the mailroom clerk, and I, I told don't, Repeat Don't screw with the mailroom clerk. Don't screw with the mailroom clerk. <laughs> 1986, 7, and 8, the only way you could talk to other Marines, if you didn't, nobody could afford long-distance phone calls. Or Hell no. And it was, there was no interwebs. No there was no emails out, right? and, yeah. well, you know, yeah. shit like that. So yeah. I had, I was pretty, I had, I played the system <laughs> as, as good as you can. I never stood duty. Sal, ne- yeah. Sal, you didn't play the system, sir. What you did was exploit the seams. <laughs> you exploit the seams as all good Marines do. Absolutely. Follow the rules. These are the rules. <laughs> you know, I'm going to follow them. <laughs> I don't know how they did fitness reports in the in the squadrons, but the adjutant's office did the fitness reports. And yep. we had a computer for the day at the time called the CPT. Repeat probably remembers this. So yeah. we did the floppy disks the size of your laptop. Oh yeah, eight inch disks. <laughs> we we figured a way to do it so we could save them and re, just reprint them and make small changes. And I set up a printer, and it was took used to take typists, you know, fifteen minutes. And if you guys remember, if it was in that little blue section of your fitness report, the OCR reader at headquarters wouldn't read it, and it was. And I used to get officers all the time knocking on the mailroom door. Hey, uh, Sal. Corporal, you know, hey, Corporal, can you? I used to take heavy sighs. I go, <sighs> I have duty. You know, early on, I was like, I have duty. And if I if I didn't have duty, I could work and I can try to help you out. Let me see if I can find somebody to stand in for you. You know, it took me like two seconds you, to do it. They'd turn around, they'd disappear. I'd go over to the machine, put it in, take care of it, pretend it took me uh, an hour, and, uh, you know. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. awesome. That yeah, is was good that stuff. is awesome. Yeah, I, I I had a good time. I yeah. enjoyed it. I was telling people, whoa, whoa, oh, Sal, Sal? You okay? Yeah. Sal, back. you okay? Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah, I'm okay. Holy <laughs> is everything okay? Something something sounded like it it hit the floor. I'm good. That was okay. my that was my uh, so there I was glass. Oh shit! Didn't break, did it? No. Nope. Oh, no, no. all right. Oof. Anyway, so. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay, so you, how, how long, so who got to the, who got to the uh, lamb, lamb unit first? Was it repeat or was it you, Sal? Sal was probably there first. I went, yeah, well, I think repeat, you were already in the, I think 
I got there in August of 85. Battalion at the same time. I was in one battery. Repeat was a battery officer in the other. I went to the adjutant's office probably a year before repeat got up there. And I was sent up there to do, you know, any test that the adjutant at the time of lieutenant, who was a Mustang, I ended up working in the mailroom and become the mailroom clerk. But I got up there probably a year before repeat. So you got to explain what a Mustang is. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Hey, we, we need to cover that. What's a Mustang? Yeah, so there was a, a first lieutenant who was the adjutant officer. He came from a battery as well. He was a former enlisted Marine. He was a gunning at one point. Wow. Yeah, and, a lot of and went to Yep, and ended up getting a commission. A great dude. Ended up going to the Naval Academy as a Naval Academy Marine officer running with the, you know, the Marine officers that run, I guess, battalions over there. He's a great guy as well. So I was fortunate, very fortunate to have met Repeat, this lieutenant, and another gunner who I worked for, along with a lieutenant colonel of the battalion, who one of the things I always tell everybody is I learned true leadership in those, with those folks, the way they led that office and, and the Marines yeah. around them. I learned a lot. So that was that was the uh, gent we were talking about the other day, right, Sal? The, that lieutenant? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So yes. quick story on that fig. I'm I'm a he and I are both support platoon commanders. He's got Charlie Battery, I've got Bravo Battery, and he showed up at the battalion or at, at Charlie Battery eh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks after me. And the between our offices was a, a thing of plywood that went up to about twelve feet. And from twelve feet up to the ceiling, there was chain link fence, so the Marines couldn't hop over the plywood and steal gear from each other's battery. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that would ever happen, but, you know, no, no, if no. they were to get the idea and be short of gear or need some gear, you know, yeah. maybe they'll do that. Sure. So I'm sitting in the office reading some FMFM Fleet Marine Force manual, you know, on how to do count bobby pins for your, you know, <laughs> whatever it was. And so he checks in and he he's down there at the new platoon. He's now the Charlie support platoon commander and the platoon sergeant for that platoon sits down with him and says, you know, sir, here's how it goes. I'll muster the troops in the morning. I'll PT him. I will handle all disciplinary problems. I'll keep them motivated. The only time you need to ever deal with the, with the Marines is if I have a discipline problem I can't handle, then we'll bring it to you. But, you know, you need to be pretty much hands-off, show up at 7 in the morning, leave at <laughs> 1600, you know, and, know and basically stay out of my way. Yeah. How did that go? And so so he sits there, he listens to the whole thing, and I'm sitting there listening to the whole thing, too, going, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And then he goes, uh, so that's how it works, huh, Staff Sergeant? He goes, yes, sir. Yes, sir, that's how it works. He goes, huh, didn't work that way when I was a gunnery sergeant. But uh, <laughs> he's like, whoa, 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 yeah, you, you, you were a gunny, sir? <laughs> yes, yes, in fact, I was. Yes, in fact, yeah. I was. Yeah. So three years later, I'm sitting in the S4 at VMA 223. That very same staff sergeant walked through the door. He was our a career planner, the guy who got Marines to re-enlist at, at VMA 223 three years later, that same staff sergeant who was blowing Are smoke. Are you kidding I me? I swear to yeah. God. <laughs> All right. Offline, I gotta, you got to tell me his yeah. name. I got to see if I yeah. remember this guy. That, yeah. is, that is funny. Yeah. <laughs> It's a small Marine Corps, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is a small Marine Corps. And he was always, uh, you know, the the smoke blowing type, you know, it's like, okay. (laughs) Wow. That's how I remember him. Yeah. As soon as you said his name, repeat, I knew exactly who you're talking about. (laughs) 
So, all right. Hey, all let's right. tell you what. Let me run a, a quick thank you to our sponsor, and we'll come back and we'll uh, start talking a little bit about uh, a little bit of flying, some of yeah. the flying we do. So, Here at So There I Was, we're proud to welcome as a sponsor, Robin's Bird Brain Designs. Looking for a unique and thoughtful gift? Well, look no further. At robinsbirdbraindesigns.com, they specialize in custom slate coasters that are sure to impress. Imagine having a set of coasters personalized with your squadron logo and call sign, or even your aircraft tail number and instruments. Whether it's for your aviation enthusiast friends or a special someone in your life, their custom coasters are the perfect way to show that you've put some thought into getting that something special for someone truly special. But it doesn't stop there. They can also create coasters with any organization logo and printing that you desire. From military units or sports teams, they've got you covered. Their high-quality coasters are made from durable slate, ensuring they'll stand the test of time. So why settle for ordinary gifts when you can give something extraordinary? Visit RobinsBirdBrainDesigns.com today and let them help you create custom gifts that show just how much you care. Because when it comes to thoughtful presents, they've got your back. Okay, let's chat a little bit about some flying. Yes, sir. So you took your first lesson at Cherry Point, well, at Newburn, right? Yep. I went up to Newburn one day and jumped in at 152 and had my first lesson at some flight school there. I actually still have it in my logbook. And was, as I've always, when I went with my father, I was hooked. And I paid $25 for the hour with the for the airplane wet with the instructor. Wow. How about that? <laughs> it won't get you 25 seconds today. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah really. And took me, I did that. I, I was getting out of the Marine Corps. When I got discharged, I came back to New York. I went back to New York and I would just learn. I'd take lessons periodically to stay engaged. But it took me from when I got out to 97 to get my private. About 10 years. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. well, that That's that shows some stick-to-itiveness. That's stick-to-itiveness yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. Well, once you have it, you know, once you, you know, you want that, it's like, you know, you, you just never lose that. Never. And I took lessons. If you look at, when I look back at my logbook, I did a lot of night flying because I was working. I had a family. I had a daughter. So a lot of the early days were the only time I could fly was at night. So I had a lot of night lessons. And at the, I remember the flight school saying, well, you should come during the day. And I said, well, I can't. This is And so they would, I'd go do night lessons, really a lot of night landings because you can't do a lot of maneuvers. So early on in my logbook, I have a lot of nighttime just for the fact that that was really the only time I could fly. But I just wanted to fly. Whether there was a person in the right seat, I just wanted to fly. So that was when I could afford a lesson, I went and took a lesson. When were you able to get it consistently? In 96, as I, my daughter was two years old, I had done pretty well. I had worked for a company. I had owned a company. And I just made a decision to, I went to ISOP Airport on Long Island and went to the FBO. And I said, I need to finish. You know, I had a broken logbook, so to speak, a lot yeah. of gaps. And, and, I, and I just made my commitment. And I finished in about, from the time I started to when I finished, was about five months. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And That's so a lot I, of uh, consistent flying then to do that. So, all right. Yep. How about your, uh, how about your first solo? How long did it take you to get to your first solo once you made that commitment then? Once I made that commitment, you know, it's funny because I was looking at the, my logbook 
for another, I was talking to somebody about it and they asked me and I thought it was a lot quicker. So I was like, oh, this should be like, I did it in three hours because I've been flying for all those years. It was about <laughs> 12 hours before I sold it. Okay. Yeah. And, and I don't remember it. I don't remember my first solo. Wow. Really? Nope. Don't remember it. So, so uh, okay. to 10, you got to have a minimum of 10. Yep. Dual to go. So really, you know, you weren't, you weren't really off far off the, the men. I don't know what the, you know, no, I, don't, I, I would know have thought what, with those gaps that you would have been. But, yeah. 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 Me well, I mean, I, the gap, you know, I probably, the gaps, I probably had about 20 hours. So really I was, 30 a little over 30 hours but it was about 10 hours since a little bit over 10 hours since i started flying regularly gotcha okay Okay. yeah so and and i see instrument commercial cfi so how uh how 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 did that progression go so that's that's not that's not easy that's that's a lot yeah i for the first decade so i got my private I, i don't remember my first solo interestingly enough i remember the first flight i took my mother-in-law at the time and my wife, and we went for a flight. I remember that like it was yesterday. It was the first flight where I could actually take somebody with me. But I don't know. For some reason, I can't remember my solo. And I did the same, pretty much the same thing I did until I really just, I flew. I stopped flying. I had my daughter. You know, I was working. I was going to school. I was still trying to get my bachelor's. And then in, in That's a lot of three, balls. I'm sorry. That's a lot of balls in the air. Oh, right yeah. There, and working and traveling every week So yeah. for my job. So it was in 03, I graduated with my bachelor's from a university in New York. So once I finished that, I started to focus on my instrument, my commercial. I bought an airplane. I bought a Mooney at the time and started really focusing on and thinking about making a flying more of a vocation in terms of a profession. And so I just accelerated pretty quickly. When I bought my Mooney, I had about 175 hours. And that was 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And, you know, I'm close to 1,000 now. So and you yeah. think about the time, you know, the difference in hours and commitment. So I got my commercial, my instrument, my commercial, took a break and got my airplane, you know, the C, single engine C. Hey, that well, was what, great. What kind of yeah? yeah what what, yeah. what did what did you do that in? What kind of aircraft? I did it in a 182 Amphib, which was the oh, best. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. Nice. I, I would own an Amphib in a second if it was practical. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, uh, I did it down here in Florida. Burning a lot of gas to drink those pontoons through the air. Though. Oh my gosh! And you know the insurance is outrageous <laughs> yeah. from oh. everybody that has those planes. The insurance with the with the floats on them are yeah. outrageous. And the the interesting thing is, in my training for that, I never got above six hundred feet. Never, <laughs> never got above six hundred feet. And and there's a funny story to that. So you know, all my regular flying at the time, there's two things really happened. One, when I got my private pilot's license, I did something really stupid, scared the the crap out of me, and made me a much better pilot. But my when I was getting my my seaplane rating, there's a thing. I, uh, do either of you have your seaplane ratings? Or- I don't. No, yeah. I've I've flown an amphib. Yeah. I've, I've flown a, a, gl- a lake, Lake Amphibian. Oh, yeah. They're, you know, they're fun. So there's a what they call a confined lake landing where you have to come really close to the treetop, pull the power, and drop on the lake. The pontoons will slow you down on, on short lakes. So I was taught by a guy to be really treetop level. When I went for my check ride, 
The DP was scared out of his life because I literally was treetop <laughs> level. So at the end of it, he scraping, me, scraping like, some green chlorophyll like off the bottom of your. Uh... <laughs> See, but he, he asked you where you learned that, right? He goes, Where'd you learn that? I go, The flight instructor at your school. He was not a happy camper. He still passed me, but he, he's like, That's a little too low. You got to give yourself a little bit of more room. I said, That's how he showed me how to do it. You know, so I just do what I got taught. Oh. And when I was a fresh, fresh minted private pilot, I went to uh, Glens Falls, New York, which is up by Lake George, and to visit my family, they were on the lake camping, and I had a re- rented a 172, and I was supposed to leave for Singapore. The next, this is get their itis at its best. Oh boy! But this yeah. was a Saturday afternoon. I'm get their itis is a Singapore. fatal disease, folks. <laughs> oh yeah, and I was supposed to leave for uh, Singapore that Sunday evening. So I wanted to get home. It's a, it's a pretty far drive and it's a rented airplane and it's low ceilings. It's 800. I'm waiting at the FBO. It's 900. I'm waiting at the FBO. It's 1100 ceilings. I take off. No instrument rating. Yeah. Brand new private pilot, maybe a year. And I end up in the clouds. Oh. And, you know, I tried to look at the attitude indicator and remember what they taught me in the one hour or two hours at the time they gave me. And when I broke out, I was in a descending left. Oh, 45 degree bank, Jeez. 500 feet from killing myself. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That was a huge wake up call for me. And if you know anything about upstate New York, there's mountains and hills. Oh yeah. There's terrain. It's yep. for real. For real terrain. So yeah. when I made the turn, I unloaded the airplane and kind of turned back to the airport. I realized that had I, besides the fact that I was in that death spiral, right? You're pulling on the airplane thinking, because you're, you feel like you're climbing and you're yeah. pulling and you're actually increasing the spiral. I just happened to break out in time to offset it. But when I went back to the airport, I realized I was going to try to go another direction. Had I done that, I would hit a hill, you know, hit one of those little hills there. So I, that taught me a valuable lesson as far as aviation and get their itis and aeronautical decision making. So, so can one of you guys? Put in in non aviator terms, what get their itis is because that's a thing. That's an sure. actual thing. Yeah. Can, you, can, can you try that? One of uh, you guys, Sal. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, go, I'll go talk Sal. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, do it. So, get their itis is, and it kills more general aviation air people in generation general aviation airplanes probably flying in bad weather. But what it is is the sense that you are you're flying an airplane or you're somewhere and you have to get home to do something. Either you have to get your family back home and they're with you in the airplane. You have to get home to meet, have a meeting or you're a businessman and you're in an airplane and you have to get somewhere and make the meeting. So you fly the airplane in conditions or an airplane that's not in the conditions that you'd not normally would to get to where you're going. And they've called that get their itis and it's killed. A friend of mine was killed in a airplane crash in Connecticut. Forget their itis. It's terrible. It's, it's a tough lesson to learn. It, pilots put themselves in positions where they shouldn't because they feel like they have to get where they're going. Yeah. And there's pressure to do so by outside forces, friends, family, airplane, whatever it may be. Well, thank you. That's a really great definition. Yeah. You're very and, well. uh, and it is actual, that, that's a thing. You, you can go back and look at it, uh, general aviation accidents for years and years and years in the past. Yeah. And, and it is actually a causal factor. Kennedy killed himself. I mean, that's how why Kennedy died. Right. Right? Kennedy yeah. died. You know, Jack, the 
what was his name? John Kennedy Jr. Uh, yeah, Jeff yeah. Jr. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He yeah. killed he killed himself and his wife and and her sister because he was in a he wanted to get to Martha's Vineyard yeah. in a night yeah. where he wasn't an instrument rated pilot. He got in the death spiral, just like you kind of described. Yep. You know, the fluid in your inner ear tricks your body into thinking you're actually doing one thing when, in reality, you're yep. doing another. Yeah, yep. and that's why yep. that's why basic instrument flying is is not something that you just go out and do. No, it's, it's sticks really put a yes. I don't know if if you sticks, sticks put, put the, the uh, he we, uh, he he put the uh, definition of yeah. hyper mission focus as such that you take unacceptable risk. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Well yep. done, sir. And, and interestingly <laughs> enough, that, that shaped, that incident shaped my cr- flying career 30 years to this day. I have been really hyper. I flew with my daughter. I flew friends, you know, I've repeat and I've hey, been in hey. an airplane together. You have to be cognizant. Yeah. And you told me a story. Uh, let me back up for uh, yeah. briefly about that too. And here's the thing. When we flew together, the one time I was sitting in the right seat and I, I think it was for weight and balance because my daughter came along. Yes. But I, yeah. I wanted to, uh, because I was too fat to sit in the back. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yes. True story. Uh, so repeat wants to go see his house. I had flown up in the morning and he's, asked if his daughter can join and I said sure and and he wanted his daughter to sit in the right seat and I went can't do it wait and balance (laughs) (laughs) would be a airplane flown yes but it it's an example where the thing I've learned about as a flight instructor procedure and policy and guidelines are there for a reason yeah it's how we stay alive in aviation so it's been a really interesting uh, so yeah and I was just going to make the comment that he you know he Flew a really nice airplane and and was very careful to make sure he knew I had thousands of hours in airplanes, but he didn't assume anything that I un- understood something about his airplane or knew anything. Just hey, here's, here's the things we're going to do. Very professional, straightforward brief, and so that's how he approaches his flying. It was yeah, it was, it was yeah. impressive. But then you you were telling me the story, and I forget the exact detail. You it was a gent you sold your airplane to, and then you helped him bring it to. Yeah, so in between that airplane and the the Mooney that I just sold, I just sold an airplane recently, and he came down to Florida to pick it up, and he wasn't his insurance company wouldn't let him fly it until he got five hours with a certified flight instructor. I'm a CFI, I've got Mooney time, but I just, the the story is he wanted me to sign him off without the time, so I said no. Uh-huh. Number one, no. <laughs> if if you crash and kill yourself. First thing the FAA is going to do is go, who signed you off? And they're going to come from my CFI certificate. Yeah. So we decided to fly the airplane from West Palm Beach area to Charleston, South Carolina area. There's an airport closer, smaller airport to him. And the weather that day was kind of crappy. And I kept telling him, I said, listen, if they only have one approach, there's no tower, it's low ceilings. If that's the case, I'm going to land at Charleston because there's six runways there's five approaches, ILSs, RNAVs. I said, I'm going to go where the airport has more approaches and a tower. And he kept debating me the whole way because he really wanted to go to his local airport. It was just easier for him. And at one point I said, I'm making the decision. I'm the PIC. It's still my airplane and you don't own it yet. And I went to Charleston and he was not happy. <laughs> and I remember telling him, you will kill yourself if that's how you think. I was very, 
very clear to this gentleman, you will kill yourself if you think that if you fly that way. Don't I'm just giving you advice. Don't fly that way for the future. So and Sage he, uh, he he wasn't he was not happy. It's, but it's kept me alive. And general aviation is you know, I know repeat knows and I don't know Fig if you fly GA, but I do. I I have a beach in there. Oh, okay. So you know you know the deal. There's a lot of there's a you know, there's a lot of crazy GA stuff that goes on. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Yes. And, and more than a few professional airline pilots have bought the farm too, doing stuff in their GA. Cause I don't think it it comes naturally to us to go, okay, these are the limitations and all right, all that. We have a joke at work, which is if you think the weather's so bad you're not going, you haven't read far enough to find the <laughs> exemption that allows you to go. That's yeah. right. So, yeah. but we've got the equipment and and the training and the uh-huh. ability and the approaches and everything's all set up for you. That's not that way in general aviation. No. It, it all falls on you, and you're not. You tend to forget yeah. that. So, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and and one of the reasons that I, besides the fact that I I wanted to expand my expertise in aviation to become a CFI was watching a lot of, I think repeat, you met, I think you saw my Cirrus. So I bought a Cirrus and I got exposed to a lot of different folks and watching them not do run-ups. What, you know, take, I watched a friend of mine take off. We were leaving Plymouth airport. Pete, you're probably familiar with it. Yep. And Massachusetts, we went for lunch and they took off, he was in a rush, so he took off with a tailwind against where the traffic flow would. would there was a guy who took off in, in the opposite direction. What? So, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen some. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys have seen some crazy stuff. So as a CFI, I've seen some crazy stuff as well. Students do really crazy stuff. Yeah. So, it, so it, I, I got, I'm, I'm looking at one of the notes. Uh, yeah. It has to do with one of that. Can, can you tell that story? Sure. So, so I get my CFI. Of course, the first thing is people will want me to do their flight reviews because they figure they don't need to really do the flight review. These are friend, pilot friends. They, oh, <laughs> Sal's a CFI. So he, he can sign yeah. me off. Yeah. So I make, you know, I would make people actually do the flight review, but a friend of mine wanted to get his commercial certificate. And so we go out and we do pre, you know, we do the, the pre-lesson. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do Chandel. Here's how you're going to do the chandelle. This is what I expect you to do. And he's okay. And he's experienced pilot flying. We're flying a 182 actually. And I demonstrate the chandelle, which is a climbing, you know, turn. You guys know what it is. And so I ask him to do it. And as he's doing it, I'm sitting there and I go, I'm looking at the right wing to look at the 90 degrees and I have a bad habit of crossing my arms in the cockpit, which is a terrible, terrible habit. So my hand isn't protecting the oak. And as we're making the climb, he's, he lets go and he gives up on the maneuver. So the plane, you know, it's slow. It's getting ready to stall. And now it's going to wing over and I feel it. And I look and I go, and he's not flying the airplane. I go, what are you doing? He goes, Oh, I can't do it. And just as the plane kind of wings over. Oh boy. So I said, you know, just like that kind of stuff. So we get back to the airport and I said, just flies back to the airport. We're going back to Iceland. He knows how to do it. He's done it a hundred times. And at a hundred feet, he goes, your airplane. What? A hundred feet. We're on approach. 
I mean, yeah. we're a hundred feet. I got my hands up this time and I'm just watching his, and he, he goes, your airplane. Now you guys know pilots were listening to this. You it's, it's not so difficult to do, but if you're not expecting it, it's, it's, yeah, you want to pre-brief. Hey, what? I'm yes. going to give you the airplane at a hundred feet. What the hell was his thing? Did, I mean, did you? I'm sure. You just, yeah. Surely, when you got on the ground, you said, "What the f was that, dude?" Yeah, I said, "I, I, I said, hey, so and so, what happened?" He goes, "I was having a bad day." I said, "You're <laughs> having a bad day." You almost had a you're, really you're bad not day. Playing anymore with me? <laughs> oh, good golly! So I, so I did. I ended up when I became a CFI. The the FPO had a lot of students who were at the college or high school. They would come and they would take introduction flights. Yeah. So I had a student come with his father and he didn't really want to be there, had no interest to be there, but his father wanted to come. So I kept saying, if you don't want to fly, you don't have to. No, no, no. I want to. I could tell his father was pressuring him. So we get in the airplane, 172, we taxi out. I'm flying, take off. I'm in the right seat. You go out you know, to a practice area. And I was describing what I'm doing. You want to make the airplane, the house is bigger, push down. You want to make them smaller, pull <laughs> yeah, up, yeah, right? Yeah. You want to turn left. You want to turn right. He goes, oh, I, I do it on the flight sim. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to hand you the airplane and then, you know, and just do a climbing turn, whatever you want. And this kid, <laughs> I give him the airplane. I do my bad habit, which is cross my arms and this kid put the airplane in a 50 to 60 degree left turning climb bank. Oh. Literally in like that. I mean, nice. he just went like this with the airplane. Well, he's used to flying a flight simulator, you know. That's he, exactly what it he was. He never feels any of that. He never he thought he was <laughs> flying a flight simulator. And it and it, you know, yeah. I don't I'm not a yeller. But I yelled. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? I think it was probably the best non-chandel chandel I ever seen. Oh. <laughs> Should have said, "Hey, kid, you want your commercial ticket? Let's go back and get you." Oh God! So I, I recover that, and then we're, we're coming back into the airport, and he and I always ask everybody, "Do you get sick?" I've never been sick. Do you get sick? Never get sick. And this kid starts just emptying oh. his stomach. Oh no. Within no. 500 feet on final, he's just hurling it at the instrument panel. Oh, hurling no. it on me. Oh. Hurling. I felt bad for him. He was, uh, I felt bad for him. He was so. Before, uh, my, my mother's almost 98, and so she's been to the hospital a few times recently. When she goes to the hospital, I go visit her. I grab those, those puke bags. Not and yet. I keep I keep those in in all the pockets in my airplane now in case anybody's mm-hmm. ever sick. But so either those and if you can't don't have access to those, even the plastic grocery shopping bags, put yeah. two or three of those together yep. so they don't leak. But man, do not go up in a light airplane with you. With are you a sympathetic puker, Sal? No. Okay, that's good. Yeah. No, oh, I yeah. have never been seasick, air sick, motion sickness in my awesome. life. I did I did aerobatic training with. Patty Wagstaff's team. Hey, and, very cool. Yeah, in St. Augustine. And one of her, they what they do is they actually try to make people sick. They give you this little thing to wear. And I kept saying, I'm not going to get sick. Nope. And it was in the decathlon at first before we flew the extra. And they said, everybody gets sick. I'm not going to get sick. I told them, I'm not going to. And they did everything in the world. We did inverted flat spins. The guy was doing yeah. an inverted flat spin in an extra. And yeah. I did not get sick. I told yeah. him, you're not going to. Nice. Be. I'm just lucky. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey, Sal, I want, yep. I want to talk about something that's in your notes, and yep. I, I, I think it might be, well, I mean, I, it's, if you don't want to talk about it, that's cool. Sure. But it's in your notes, and I, I think if there's lessons, because, you know, how we learn is from mistakes yes. and failures, so your CFI check ride. Yes. Can you, can you talk about sure. that? Yeah. Yeah, so in my, you know, you see that in the notes. One of the things that I've learned and I, and I would implore, I know that you have a lot of military folks here and listen, but I'm sure there are people like me or uh, potential pilots and they give up, you know, aviation is easy to give up on because it's hard, right? It just, you know, failures are hard if you fail. Yeah. And one of the things is I'm not a very good stick and rudder pilot to begin with. Everything I've ever learned in aviation, I'm the guy who can study the material and know it. I understand the procedures, but it takes me a while to get the feel right? How to fly an airplane. Once I get it, good at it, but it takes a while. So I never failed the check ride. I start working on my CFI and I had a really, really difficult time learning to fly from the right seat. I couldn't, I couldn't do my maneuvers, my lazy eights, my chandelles. I struggled really, really, it was a really difficult experience for me. Because everything's all of a sudden backwards or something, yeah. right? It's just yeah. not. It's, uh, yeah. I'm looking, yeah. you know, I'm in old airplanes. I don't have a I don't have a PFD in front of me, so I got to look at the airspeed indicator to my left. The view is different, and I and I've always struggled learning new maneuvers from you know whatever they are differently. Interestingly enough, intru- instrument flying was easy for me because there it's a procedure. It's following a procedure. It's following a guideline. So those were easy. And the day of my CFI check ride, I did a my oral was seven hours. So when you take in a seven hours. Ow. And then, and then you were supposed to go fly after that? And then we were going to go fly. So people wow. who are in aviation know this, but for those that don't, you can suspend your check ride. You can finish the oral part and then say, I'll take my practical of the flying part. And I, but I was 3,000 miles away from home. So this is a form of get there-itis. Yeah, I was yeah, exhausted. Yeah. I was hungry. I wanted to finish and get my certificate and be on my way. I was in California. And... I got in the airplane and the and the the flight examiner, the DPE, was like really different. He was an old Navy guy, just an old Navy stickler for you know every little detail, which is fine. CFI candidates, I get. Yep. So we get we take we're in Gillespie Field. We take off. He first thing he does is go give me a short field landing. I said okay, and interesting thing is I'm as that he. He asked me for it, and then the tower extends me two miles. Okay. So now I have to extend the downwind two miles, and as I turn now, it just threw me completely off. I'm exhausted, and I I don't know how I messed up a short field landing, but I have power. I got an airplane. I, you know, I've done that a million times. Right. And I, overshot, <laughs> I probably overshot the, the spot on a 3,000-foot runway by 1,000 feet. I would have ran off the runway had I not, you know, so end up literally, he just failed me on the spot. I asked to continue (sighs) on because you can continue on your check route. Okay. And and, and finish other. Yeah. He said no. Well, okay. Yeah. And that was really tough for me, but it, and at the time I was pissed, you know, typical, you know, it's not what, whatever you blame yourself. You blame other people. Yeah. I went back. I did it, and then I use that. I tell that story to fly in school. The FISDO on Long Island, where I was until I moved here, I knew the FISDO guy pretty well, and he had me 
talk about that to pilots about failure, even CFIs fail and, and use that as an example, how to get better. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So FISDO is the flight standards district office. And those are the FAA guys who, who deal with all of that, your licensing, your, and they investigate things and all that too. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, and thank then, you, uh, Sal. That's, that's rough. That's a, you know, no, nobody. And, and I know we are harder on ourselves than somebody else's. So that, that had to be a kick right in the junk. Oh yeah. I didn't, I, I had to leave there and catch a flight back to Chicago where my company, I, you know, I, I spent half my year in Chicago and I had I was a grown man who'd never struggled, you know, never failed the check ride. Not, a, you know, I'm not the world's greatest pilot, but to fail was brutal to me. In, uh, in fairness, I think the CFI is probably the most failed yeah. ticket that anyone goes for. Because, yeah. because, you know, from, from much is expected. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What, I, what I've been able to do is use that, though, to work with other pilots and folks and you know talk about how i learned a tremendous lesson and i try to pass that along to people that i when i'm working as a cfi or working with students or working with somebody who needs help it's it's a way for me to say i've been there i know what it's like it's a terrible feeling and you know here's how i handled it here's what you can do and i failed an easy thing you guys know i mean short field landings are basic to any pilot yeah yes yes but <laughs> yes but <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, it, 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 who's ever had the perfect flight, right? I mean, yeah. I, I do all the time, but yeah. <laughs> I am I am so close. I am so close to having the perfect flight all the time, and then I screw something. Yeah. Okay. I had a I was when I the day repeat. We you know a couple other flying stories real quick. I was repeat. If you remember, we flew our Cirrus up. We were looking at that Mooney at that air, at your airport yeah, at the airport, yeah, yeah. and. So I didn't, I've been hearing about tailplane icing forever. The airplane that I was flying had, wasn't Fiki, but had weeping wings on the main wings only, but they didn't have tailplane Fiki and, or weeping wings. And that was the Cirrus we were flying. And we just, we're flying along on autopilot and the autopilot just kicked off. And what I realized is we were getting icing and it, it was a tailplane icing because that what happened was the autopilot kicked off because it couldn't trim anymore yeah yeah and i was talking we were talking to boston and i actually asked for lower and they said no and uh, <laughs> okay i'm not asking <laughs> i'm not asking I, I, you know people i was with i said well if you, if you don't give it to me i'm gonna have to you know i'm i'm gonna descend do you want me to declare an emergency or do you want because i was the pilot flying i was in the left seat and the guy ended up giving it to me because we were right around boston at the time as we were heading up to to New Hampshire. So. Sal, can you can you define for our listeners weeping wing? Sure. Some airplanes that so for ice protection, it's not no airplane. I don't care what you fly. I don't know what the Harrier was like, but you know, seven thirty seven, seven. I'll tell you about that. You're gonna like this, Sal. <laughs> but go ahead. Nobody likes ice. No airplanes like ice, right? Yeah. It it makes the air aerodynamics and difficult to fly and eventually yeah. they'll fall out of the changes sky. the shape of the airfoil adds a bunch yeah. of weight to the airplane can cause a premature uh, airflow Death. separation yeah. and and then you you violate rule number one which is don't get dead don't get into ice which i did <laughs> right we did there was three of us in that airplane that day oh and my we gosh. uh so feet, weeping wing is there's a technology uh, an alcohol-based fluid that you store in the airplane and they have these holes drilled in titanium on the wing and it will 
put fluid on the wing and keep the ice off or help to keep the ice off or melt ice if you have it. So, so it's a de-icer or anti-icer system. Yep, de-icer and anti-icer. Thank and you. that some airplanes are rated to be in ice, which is fascinating to me. And <laughs> this airplane was not. It was emergency only. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, that was uh, just a safety feature just to get, get you safety. out of trouble. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, I had the parachute, but the Cirrus has a parachute. Right. So that was, you yeah. know, that's the safety feature. So Sal, do you do you know how you know what the anti icing de icing system's like on a Harrier? I don't. It's a throttle. Seriously? Yeah. You go fast, it comes right off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I am not joking. There wow, is, is that no, old? Is that old jets? All yeah. five, is that all? Wow. Yeah. Okay. There yeah. you go. We had no leading edge. Yeah. Nothing. De ice anti. No. You go 400 knots, everything comes right off. No. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird. But the but now all the airliners they use uh, most of them use hot air the bleed yeah, air bleed off air the engine hot. and yeah, they heat yeah. they heat the leading edge of the wing they heat the leading edge of the, the engine nacelles that sort of thing but uh, yeah. but and you can tell you're getting into it because it will start building up on the windscreen mm-hmm. that sort of thing yeah. but uh, windshield wiper nuts yeah <laughs> we use the windshield wiper nuts and you know the the term is how do my nuts look. <laughs> yep. Your nuts are clean, bro. Okay, good. Hey, you're getting ice on your nuts. It's time to put the ice on. <laughs> to put the wing in the ice on. That is so funny. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, icing is terrifying. Yeah, it's icing terrifying. is terrifying. All right. So, hey, so uh, between a Mooney and a uh, Cirrus, what's your what's your favorite airplane that you've owned? So, I've owned two Moonies and two Cirruses. Uh, the Cirrus is comfortable. It's like sitting in a Mercedes. It's got the best avionics, but you know, we had full avionics. The best autopilot as good as probably anything that any of the airliners use. They're fantastic. Is that fiber? So is the, that glass? Is it, is it fiberglass? Yeah. So the Cirrus is a fiberglass airplane. Yeah. For those listening, it has a parachute, a whole plane parachute. So if you get in trouble, you can pull it and it lets the whole plane down. It's, it's fat. It's a the best technology, fast. and it's it's pretty fast too for a single engine. Uh, the one, yeah, one the twenty two the the latest the last one I had is a hundred and seventy knot airplane. Yeah, so it's, it's fast. you know that's pretty good. The Mooney is my favorite airplane. The Mooney Ovation that I had, the one that I, I sent some of the pictures to repeat as well. The the latest one, I could fly that airplane. It it would literally you could trim it on climb. I get that airplane as a Mooney. That's my first one. You could trim that, cross your arms, and and trim it for a hundred and twenty knot climb, and never barely keep your f- feet on the rudders, and the thing would just stay where wherever you put it, it stayed. That's great. Very yeah. stable. It's amazing. That is a great airplane. The Mooney is a fantastic general aviation airplane. It's fast. It's comfortable. It's not as comfortable as the Cirrus, but it's comfortable flying. Cirrus is very trim heavy. So you're always fighting if you're hand flying it, trimming it. It's electric trim. doesn't have a manual trim. So you're always fighting the, the pitch in a Cirrus. That's a little too technical for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. It's a great airplane. So, yeah. Yeah. When, uh, when, when Sal said fighting the pitch, he's talking about how heavy it is on the stick for, uh, for nose up and nose down yeah. forces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. Well, Woo! 
Yeah. So I'd like to, we've been going a little bit over an hour here, so it's time to start thinking about wrapping it up. But Sal, I'd like you to wrap up with a recap, if you would, of the story that you wrote for Airfax Magazine. Oh, yeah. 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 That was a great read, by the way. Tell us what issue it's in so people could go and find it. I don't know. It's online, but I'll have to, I can maybe send you a link sometime, repeat. Okay. We'll try and put it in with the show, with the show notes. All right. Yeah. So my my parents, there's my dad. So that's the Mooney. If you're watching on video. Yep. Yep. You're watching on video. So if you're watching, my father has Alzheimer's or had Alzheimer's since past, but he was my inspiration for aviation, as I talked about early on. And I wrote an article for Airfax about when I got my private pilot's license, there were four flights that really had an impact on me. One, the one my father took me on a lesson, my first ride in an airplane. And years later, when I got my private in Florida, I took my parents, I rented an airplane, took my mother around Cocoa Beach and Cape Canaveral and actually flew right over the shuttle landing runway, Cape Canaveral on the 150. And Uh it was beautiful. You know, they don't let you touch, you know, 100 feet above it, they they tell you. And it was a beautiful flight. I ended up taking my father to Vero Beach to go to the Piper factory. My father loved flying, was just really appreciative of having his son there. And the whole time we were there, we'd talk about how his son flew us down for the Piper tour. And years later, when I ended up owning an airplane, my father had Alzheimer's and he used to get sick. The reason my father oh. gave up flying was he would get sick. My father would get sick in a bathtub. Air, air sick. Air yeah. sick in the airplane. Air sick. He would get air sick. Every flight, every lesson. And when he got Alzheimer's, I decided I would take him up. As, you know, he was cognizant enough I could get him out of the airplane. He had some wherewithal about him. And so I took him up for an airplane ride and he didn't get sick. And I took him for, took him for a ride around Long Island and it was a chance to just share aviation with him again. So sticks, put the link up. It's on the video. And I thought, oh, thank you sticks. It was just a chance for me to share aviation with my dad towards what, you know, his end of his life as yeah. he was developing yeah. Alzheimer's. That's awesome. And I think you talk about in there that even as he as he lost more and more of his memory. And that that story in Airfax magazine, the online magazine, just goes into a little bit about how my love of aviation came from my parents, my father, and the chance to fly with my mother one time before she died. She died from cancer not too many years after that, but and having a chance to fly with my dad and having a chance to share aviation with him. He's really the one who got me into it. And he would remind people his whole life that my son became a pilot because right I got on. him to fly. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's great yeah, stuff. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I'm here. Did we lose Are repeat? Are you not hearing me? No, he's here. Can you hear me? Okay. He's not, hear- hear he's not hearing you. He's not hearing you. But hey, thank you for that. Thank you for that story. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, that's, I, I don't, I, I didn't have anybody in my family that was in aviation and I had a, you know, I was kind of on my own. Sure. But when, once I got, once I got a private pilot's license, and you know, and I, I took my parents flying. You know, they, you know, my, my mother would go flying with me. My right. my dad would never. You mm. know, he did it one time. He's like, okay, I got the accent block. I'm not going to get that back <laughs> in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. That's a, that's right. a, that's really awesome. I and, think my my mother was 
and my father were as proud of me being a pilot, almost as proud of me as being a Marine. I mean, they were very proud that I, I joined the Marine Corps and made it through boot camp and, you know, as a proud parent would be. And I think my mother and father were as proud of me being a pilot and, and accomplishing that through, you know, it's hard it to do. Easy, everybody would do it, right? People listening would know that. It's hard to be a, to get your private pilot's license, particularly today, the costs and the challenges. Right. I have a question to ask you, Sal. Sure. What about flying? What is it about flying? You, you know, you got in the back seat with your dad on his first mm-hmm. in this, on his first flight. So what what is it about flying? Can you can you can you go? This is what I love about it. Because I, I I can tell you what mine is, but I I want to I want to know you know because I'm I'm curious. I always ask everybody why. What is it that you like about flying? What what is it that sold you on on day one about flying? So when I was a kid, Fig, I think it was the idea that you can take a this machine. It sounds clicheous, and you're leaving or you're leaving the ground, and you're flying a machine. It was just it fascinated me. Airplanes have always fascinated me. Yeah. As a pilot, when I when I literally learned and sat in the left seat and flew an airplane, it what appeals to me is I'm a procedure person. I love I love procedures. I love rules. I like those things appeal to me in aviation because what what it, it just allows you to do things in a, safely, right? So that's appealing to me. That's my per, part of my personality. So stru- so maybe structure. structure. Structure, yep. yeah. Structure, structure, rule, you know, those types of things. But ultimately, when I'm flying an airplane, I'm fascinated because I fly with friends and I fly with my brothers who never want to fly. I can teach people how to fly. Nobody wants to learn. No, I'm not interested in learning. But I'm fascinated that not everybody wants to control yeah. this machine in the right. air. When right. I, I know, when I'm right. Doing a, a steep turn. Even today, as somebody who's been flying for a long time and I show somebody what a steep turn is I'm just in heaven and, or just a basic yeah. maneuver or landing an airplane. I'm just, just, it's almost indescribable. Well, and if it was easy, I everyone would yeah. do it, right? Oh, I get it. Yeah. I never, uh, other than a few times I, I may, we lo- I lost an engine once with a friend. We were in a 150 coming back from a dinner in Texas and we were going to his airport. How did that going, go? How did that go? <laughs> I, it, it's really interesting. We were on the downwind. We were in a 150. We had dinner. It was nighttime. We were coming into an airport called Arlington, just southwest of, you probably know it, of Dallas, DFW. Yeah. yeah. And we were on the left downwind, and we were just midfield. Engine oh. just stopped turning. Nice. He's he's pilot flying. I'm pilot monitoring. You know, we, ha- we had a good CRM even. You know, he's a, a, a pro guy. And all we and neither of us panicked. Oh, I just kept reminding him, watch your airspeed, watch your airspeed. I called the tower, let him know that you know we've lost our engine, and we landed probably three minutes later. Like it was not. Neither of us had angst or anxiety, and we just huh. landed on the runway. He just put it right down. You know, I was just reminding him, watch our airspeed. Watch, yeah. You know, just it was night, so the visual clues, the sense of speed gets lost on you, right? And so I didn't want him to. Not miss the fact, you know, to not have that sense of speed. So I kept reminding him, just watch your ears. Well, that's pretty, that's, that's big SA, you know, yes. uh, even thinking about that, that's big SA, Sal. That's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, that was fun. The interesting part of that is when we landed, he was able to make the first taxiway and the engine started. <laughs> Get the Shut the front door. <laughs> yes. Of course we it found did. Out. <laughs> so, you know, it has carpet. It just had an yeah. annual, it just had an engine rebuild. They put the wrong size tube hose on the carpet. So when he put the carpet on, yeah. the hose, because it, I think it was a little, that day, if I remember correctly, it was a little humid. The, okay. the hose got crimped and shut and didn't give enough fuel to the engine. Yeah, so the car so the over it. The engine just stopped. Yeah. But when we landed and he put it in by habit, the engine started again. And it fired up. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Sal, Sal are, you, are you hearing repeat by, by chance? Can you I'm hear not. me, gents? I can hear you I'm, repeat. You uh, Sal, Sal's not okay. hearing you. Okay, so you, you okay. just triggered us. You just triggered this, Sal. The the last airline trip I just flew, there was a there was a guy on guard. We were leaving uh, Houston, Texas, and climbing out probably through twenty thousand feet. And I, we had guard tuned up, and he, it was a guy. It was a kid in a set, and a kid in a single engine airplane, and he's on guard. He says, "Hey, I don't know if anybody can hear me, but I just lost my engine." And I really don't know what I'm close to. Can anybody out there help me? Of course, he got more help than, you know, finally people showed up so (laughs) they could get it. Anyway, the kid landed. He, uh, somebody said, Hey, you know, tell me what you're, tell me what you see. And in the bottom line, it was daytime, by the way. And it was a really nice day where it's, you know, couldn't million, meaning there was no, there was no clouds in the sky you could see forever. And he, he found a runway. He had no clue where he was. It was a little bitty private airport and he got it on the ground and everybody was giving him, you know, props over the props Mm. over guard. Hey, nice job, boy. Nice job, son. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I can't hear repeat, but I'll tell one more story. Please do. He, he can, he he can hear you. I can, I can hear him. We'll get this done, baby. Okay. So (laughs) I sell my airplane couple of months ago and I go to a flying club and I want to get checked out so I can rent an airplane because yeah. I love to fly. Right. That's what yeah. I want to do. So uh, they have an, uh, they have a Cessna 172 retractable gear. Okay. And they'll rent it to me because I owned airplanes with, you know, retractable gear. So they, they're, they're a little selective. Sure. So the CFI guy, the CFI dude that I meet, I meet him down there. We do, we go through the paperwork. He says, okay, we'll check you out. We get up. And get in the airplane. We head off to an airport to do some touch and goes. He wants to sign me off that I'm competent. And on the way up, he just he's just argumentative with me about everything. You're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. And so I'm not arguing with him. I'm just oh, okay. 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 All right. What do you want me to do? You know, he didn't like that I chose 500 feet above an airport to come in and to come in and do the the turn into the pattern and. And that's too, you know, you don't have to go two miles out. It's not busy. I said, well, I'm going to go my way, do my thing. So we land and I do a gear down check three times and I do a traffic clear check every time. So I do gear down, no traffic, gear down, no traffic, and final gear down. Yeah. Sounds pretty prudent to me, Sal. I don't know what the problem (laughs) is. I don't know. Sounds pretty. And he said, you don't need to do it three times. Well, that's what I do. I I had a Mooney. I've had two Moonies. I've owned these airplanes. This is my my procedure. I'm going to do it my way. Fly back to the airport, land, right? Same yeah. thing. Gear down, yeah. gear down, gear down, land. He says, leave the airplane. I'm going to do another checkout. Okay. So okay. you don't have to tie it down. We, he signs me off. He takes off with this other dude who's an airline pilot. Don't oh. tell me what happened. He's I an airline pilot. <laughs> you know where this is going. There's a gear up landing or something coming. I, I got those a who feeling. Have and those who will. <laughs> they go to the same exact airport. <laughs> And they do a gear up landing. <laughs> I saw that coming a mile off. Yes. 
Yes. You don't need to check three times. Come on. Just get it over with, Bob. You didn't check three times, apparently. They do a gear up landing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, that's brutal. The argument between them is who is the PIC? Right. Because, you know, afterwards, who's the PIC? Yeah. Well, it's got to be the instructor. Yeah. Checking them out, right? Because it it was a checkout. It was a checkout. And the guy wasn't current. So it has to be the instructor. Yes. Yes. That's the, the pilot, the airline pilot's out because he wasn't current has yeah. to be there. yeah if i was current so when we were flying he, i said i'll be pic so i took pic okay but in that case you know so it got got the yeah. airline pilot. but that guy landed gear up dude well i saw that coming a mile off especially right. when you said hey this is why you, you know i don't know about you repeat is your airplane retractable it is not. Your tiger. Okay. No, no, well, you know, no, no. I'm scared to death of doing gear up landing. I, I probably check it, you know, probably more than three times just because yeah. I'm <laughs> freaked out about ever landing gear up. I don't want to be that yeah. guy. I don't want to be that guy. Hey, Sal, we, yeah. we got to wrap this up. Yep. And, okay. And, um, Thank you for your service, sir. Yeah, and so he since repeat uh, since you can't hear repeat, he has already said uh, thank you for your service, sir. And I, I would say the exact same thing. You know, yeah. Marine, thank you for serving our country in the best service ever, ever. Right? right? No other service. Um, <laughs> I got no offense a, to anybody else, but Marines are different. Yeah. Yes. It's a military organization. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It is. I, it know. is a military organization. Reed, Reed said, you know, as, as opposed to some of the other, some of our sister services, yeah. you know, not, not that the coast guard sticks, not that the coast guard is not a military service. Yeah. It's, it's not really, it's because you know, it used to be under the department of transportation. We, we understand that. Uh, that's good. Well, Sal, can you stand by while we, while we yep. do our little exit thing? Do you, do you have any, do you, you got any closing comments? Any, I do. Any? I want to say I'm humbled. I know that uh, you've had aviation giants, Colonel oh Spicer, and I'm humbled that you've included me. I know that um, my background isn't as austere as you two and everybody else, but thank you for including me. I've had the privilege of knowing repeat for a long time. Fig, I appreciate the chance to be here. Thank you for having me. Sal. And Fix, thanks for uh, adding that stuff on the screen there. Sal, l- listen. Everybody has a, a story, and and you know just because you didn't shoot MIGs down in Korea in, in an F nine F doesn't mean what you have to say isn't interesting. Because we have listeners that have no aviation background, and they love all these stories. And you have a great story. The Thank fact you. that you know the fact that you you went into the Marine Corps knowing that I want to fly airplanes. You just didn't know how you were going to get there, but you knew you were going to do it. And you know what? You're, you're flying airplanes. And that's, that's awesome. Well, thank that's, you. Thanks, Vic. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, repeat, he, he, he can't hear you, but, but I can hear you, and you're going out. You want to wrap this thing up with me? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. We've got, uh, we got a couple other thank yous besides Sal that we need to get out there. First and foremost is uh, Dave Hamilton over at Dave Hamilton. Media. Yeah, Thank you, Beckbeat, Dave. BeckbeatMedia.com handles all the advertising for this show. If you've got a show you want to advertise, reach out to Dave Hamilton at BeckbeatMedia.com. And he's also been a mentor teaching us how to podcast. So you're hearing this because yeah. uh, Dave knew how to do it first. So, well, yeah. yeah. If it wasn't for Dave, yeah, we, we, we st- we'd still be trying to figure this out. Right. Thank you, Dave. And if you're trying to figure out some of the stuff that we've mentioned, where might you go? Hey, we have a glossary on our so there I was dot us website and uh, if we've used a acronym or a term that you're not a, aware of 
Check there first. And if we've been amiss, well, you can send that request to so there I was.us. Sticks at so there I was.us because he is on it. As a matter of fact, he's on it right now. Yes, he is. <laughs> Repeat Other emails, fig at so there I was at us and repeat at so there I was dot us and uh, got some cool merch out there with the with the logos that sticks designed by the way for the show the banners and the logos thank you sticks sticks, sticks is a man of many talents and that logo is amazing and by the way repeat are you wearing the new hoodie right now I'm wearing the new hoodie the yeah. Yeah, I've got the black one because the banner on the back looks great with black. The banner has a black background. And uh, his logo on the front, Jeff, there. I like it. How, how big is yeah. the... Is there something on the back of the hoodie? There is. Uh, can you turn around, turn around real around quick? If you're watching there, I don't know if you can... Oh, look at that. Yeah. Oh, that's badass. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yes. And if you want a hoodie with a different <laughs> color, uh, I, I also have a second hoodie up there with no... No banner on the back, so that uh, it doesn't clash with the green and the white and the blue and all that stuff. But oh, yeah. That's not ass. yeah, yeah. We need to thank Brad Silcott over at BDSAviationPhotography.com for allowing us to use some of his images. Those are amazing. The, several of them are on our Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/thereiwas.us. We have a group there. Come and join it. Most important thing you can do, though, is share the show. Share the show. Share the show. Right? It doesn't cost it. nothing. Tell other people about it. So put the show on pause right now. Call two of your friends. Tell them about the show. <laughs> and then come back here and finish up. And uh, and then the other thing you can do for us is rate the show. Give us a review. How many stars? Five. Five. It's five. Not four. Not four. Five. Don't ruin our perfect record. Help us out here. <laughs> Go to sterilos.us slash rate. Or so there was that US slash review. Either one of those will get you to the place where you can easily drop a five star review on us, and we would be humbled and appreciative if you would so do. Yes, we would. Yeah. Thank you. And that wraps it up for this week, really. Thank you for joining us. Until next week, any advice for him, Fig? Uh oh. Any advice? Hey, don't. Uh... Don't sit on the ejection seat handle. Damn Don't it. do that. <laughs> Stay safe and <laughs> check six. Well, there I was crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing on that day. Now an F-16 is cramped enough, but it's even worse With all that stuff supposed to save your life But we knew there was no way Cause when you're going down the North Atlantic, man, it's over You heard him say it. It's over. <laughs> was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? No! It wasn't! <laughs>